Hello, this is the Screen Agers Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Rustin, physician and filmmaker of the Screen Agers movies. We're doing episodes on ways families are experimenting with having confined screen-free times to bring about more togetherness. We did one with Tiffany Schlein on her family's weekly unplugging ritual. And today I'm talking with two more moms and some of their children. And just by the way, it's only by chance that it's been moms that I've been interviewing for this. Dads are experimenting as well. The first mom today is a longtime neighbor, Jamie, who has become a dear friend. Recently, I was talking with her on her porch when she started telling me about her mainly screen-free family Sundays. She let me start recording her right then and there. Here she is. I have twin nine-year-olds, a 14-year-old, and a newly 16-year-old. About a year or so ago, we decided to start screen-free Sundays with the hope of um, unplugging and getting some family time. So what motivated Jamie to start this? There are so many decisions being made. I feel decision fatigue, so it felt like, can I watch this, or what about that? Or I've, I'm, I've done my two hours, but it's not over. Or can I do one more? It just felt like, ah, I need one day where I can just say, no, we're not doing this. And you'll have to figure something else out. And I think as a mom, I like some sense of rhythm. What if there's weekend homework? It's worked well for us homework-wise. Our kids haven't had Sunday homework or else they wait till after dinner Sunday and we have a different routine for the twins after dinner. Jamie tells me that her kids still ask for screen use at times and that she sometimes says okay. They have gotten pretty creative about how they ask. Like one of the things that's important to me is that they spend time together as siblings. So they'll say, well, what if we watch together? Or what if it's educational? And to be totally honest, there are days where I'm like, yeah, you guys have done your own screens throughout the week or weekend. And I do want you spending time together. And there's negotiating, there's um, something to that. We, um, so there have been some times where I've I've said, sure, if if you can agree on something together, yes but there's no double screening. Jamie also says that some Sundays, they watch a family movie together. It's hard to agree on something to watch as a family, especially when everyone has their own device or you have multiple places they can watch. And so they look forward to a family show on a Sunday night because they weren't going to watch anything anyway. So that is better than nothing to some extent. And I feel like... It's made them look forward to um, some of those shows they wouldn't have watched on their own. We did a Survivor. We've done this The Great Race or some sort of those shows that kind of ongoing that you can kind of pick up where you left off. Jamie shares with me how she can get a little more anxious right before Sunday, particularly if her husband, who's in real estate, isn't going to be home. A couple weeks ago, my husband was headed to work for the day. He often works weekends. And I was like, would you help me think through again why we do this and how I can do this successfully? Because I feel like I get worn down because they want to watch their screens or especially on a, um, on a rainy day in Seattle, in the city, it can feel like we're on top of each other or wrestling or fighting. Um, so we just kind of even together figured out, okay, what, what's the day going to look like? How do we get out of the house? 
and kind of just for me to get my mind around how I can hold my ground because when you've got four kids against one parent, it's easy to get weary. Here's Jamie's 14-year-old son, Asher. We always assume as a family that Sunday is our day. I can check my phone. Asher tells me that he mainly checks his phone if he needs to connect with a friend about some sort of plans. She definitely wouldn't find me just on the couch just scrolling through my phone because, you know, it's a family day. So as you can see, for Jamie's family, Sundays aren't completely screen-free all the time. She does say that overall, it's been going really well. And when she started it, the plan was to just try it out for a month. That way, she felt like they wouldn't feel overwhelmed by the experiment. Okay, so now we're going to hear from a mom in Alaska, Sarah, who's really prioritized reading in the family and having screens put away during reading time. It's been a combination of reading books all together as a family, or reading one-to-one with a child, or having bedrooms screen-free for independent reading. Sarah's a mom of five. Two are teens that joined our interview. Sarah tells me that since kids have gotten older, they don't read a book all together that often. But she does say this. It's interesting because they still love it. Even if I pull out a book and start reading just to one, they'll kind of pop in and sit on the couch and listen. And it's, it's pretty cool how it connects us all. We read a Christmas story this Christmas. That was Clara, Sarah's 16-year-old. Besides reading a book as a family, Sarah has been a big fan of reading books with her kids individually. I asked her and her 13-year-old son, Sam, what books they would read together. Monsters of the Deep. Yeah, there was this one book that I always wanted to be read to me. <laughs> the Anglerfish, um, Monsters of the Deep. Yeah, I loved that book, and that definitely helped me start reading on my own. She happens to be reading a book with her 11-year-old right now and tells me about the reasons she loves sharing reading time with him. Reading to kids, it's very well known that it helps their cognitive development, but that's not why I read to my kids at all. It's because of the connection and the joy through the story together. And honestly, it's really good for mental health too. I, I recognized recently I was having a really hectic day and I was found myself thinking about the book that my son and I were reading and looking forward to that at night. And I just recognized for myself how good it was for me, not just him, as I put my phone in the kitchen and he called down, mom, I have my pajamas on, I'm ready. And I came upstairs, we opened up the book, sat on his bed. There was no phones, no interruptions. And it was just me and him in the book. And it was just, just so peaceful and so joyous and such a time for me to like step off that life train and just be there with my son. There's this extra connection that you guys have 10, 20, 30 minutes. I don't know how, how long you do it. Sometimes it's short and sometimes I'll be honest, we're kind of partners in crime because we're in a really exciting part and I'll be like, he'll be like, just one more chapter, mom. I'll be like, okay, so we'll read one more chapter to find out what's going to happen. And, and he and I are both as into the story and He reads on his own sometimes, too. Yeah, he does. He has his own books that he likes to read on his own. Um, uh, But it's interesting. He never will read ahead in our book. And he'll also tell me, Mom, you can't read ahead. (laughs) Sometimes I'll peek ahead. (laughs) Like in this Elijah Buxton and the girl who drank the moon. And 
I think if I were to sum it up, could I share a quote by Eric Carl? Sure. So um, I imagine lots of your listeners know who Eric Carl is. He um, was a, the illustrator of The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I've been to that museum of his, actually. Oh, my goodness. I'd <laughs> love to go. He shared this quote that sums it up. He says, by sharing a book, an adult shows a child, I have time for you. I care for you. Therefore, I read to you. What do you do normally at night now? Um, so we everyone has a phone bedtime. So we always um, put our phones either in the kitchen or just out of our rooms. I'm reading a book right now, and it's just kind of when I feel like reading. It's not like, uh, I don't know. I think it's a good book, but I'm not like super, super invested in it. Her brother's smiling right now because he is just a book a day almost and just devours them. I read a lot. I have a question, you guys. When you're reading books at night, are they ever on a Kindle or do you always get the actual paper book? Uh, when we read together as a family, it's always an actual paper book. Um, Sam likes to read on his Kindle, um, but for the most part, it's a real paper book. Mm-hmm. And is Sam's Kindle connected to the internet in terms of just being able to like Google things and whatnot and play games, or is it truly just the book version? It's just the book version. Do you do that on purpose? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it can connect to the internet, but even if it could, I wouldn't connect it. Yeah. I mean, it connects to the internet to to download books, but it's not because there are Kindles where you can kind of, you know, Google and do different things on it, but it sounds like you're not doing that. Yeah, I just get books on it and then read them. Clara, how is it for you to have devices out of the bedroom? Does that kind of bother you or are you happy with that uh, practice? I think it's nice to not have it in my room or like right next to me on my nightstand because then I'm not being distracted by like text messages or like um, it just gives me more time to like wind down by myself. Do any of your kids um, write their own stories? I love that you asked that. So in our bookcase that's in our wall, we have a whole section of stories the children have written over the years. And they're just right up there along with all the rest of the books that we cherish. And so, um, so yes, from when they were little. And then Sam now has been working on off and on um, writing. He loves Star Wars. So he is always like drawing battles and monsters and things like that. And um, he's a great artist, actually. So he's um, toying with creating a graphic novel, um, just kind of a maybe. Okay, now your mom has started an Instagram around her books. What Can you guys tell me what that is that she's doing? Yeah, so it's called Strength Through Stories. And she basically just takes pictures of some books and writes a little summary of them and like what they can help with. And it is really just helping either parents know what kind of books they can read to their children or to help, uh, I guess if kids are on there, they can see what kind of, what books are fun to read for them. As we draw to a close, I wanna turn back to Jamie. We do not do it perfectly and I think that's the hard thing in parenting is you feel like you have to do things perfectly to s- versus trying them on and um, 
if you do it 55% of the time, that's still a lot of it. And they will take away that memory, um, even though that can easily feel like a failure as a mom to only be doing something 55% of the time. I can relate to what Jamie says. It's crucial that we give ourselves credit for what we're trying to make happen. There's so many different personalities and agendas and ages in the mix and so many moving parts all of the time. That's why continually adapting a researcher's mentality can be very useful. We gain nothing when we beat ourselves over the head. But we also don't do our best when we don't have an open mind about what's being effective and what's not, what's bringing our families closer together or what's just making wedges grow deeper. Being able to pivot is really the art and skill of parenting. So here's a shout out to every family's summer and fall, winter and spring experiments in finding ways to have screens put away at times to boost family togetherness time. That's it for our show. And remember, at ScreenAgersMovie.com, we have ways to see the films, order my book, Parenting in the Screen Age, a guide for calm conversations, and many other parenting resources. A big shout-out to Jamie and Asher and Sarah, Clara, and Sam, and to my co-producer, Lisa Tab. I'm Delaney Rustin, producer and editor of the Screenagers podcast, and I can't wait for next time. Please consider rating or sharing the show.